That's a song that we sing in the youth group quite often, so it's nice to have that call for us to look for how God's changing our hearts and minds as we prepare to receive a word from God this day about faithfulness and patience. And I don't know that I'm necessarily the most faithful or patient person, but I've reflected on the story of Ruth and Naomi, and I invite you to listen for the word of God this morning as we look at the first chapter of Ruth, the 14th through 19th verses. I was surprised to find that the Hebrew was actually a little bit more present as I looked at the message version. So usually I would read from the New Revised Standard or common English Bibles, but this comes from the message. Listen for the word of God. Again, they cried openly. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth embraced her and held on. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law is going back home to live with her own people and gods. Go with her. But Ruth said, Don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I go. And where you live, I'll live. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. Where you die, I will die. And that's where I will be buried. So help me, God. Not even death itself is going to come between us. When Naomi saw that Ruth had her heart set on going with her, she gave in. And the two of them traveled on together to Bethlehem. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, open our hearts and our minds this morning that in whatever state our hearts are in this day, you would call us to be more faithful and more patient, to be more present and filled with your Spirit for those around us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. With all the visitors we have present, and what a joy that is, it's helpful maybe for some of you to know that your assumption that since I'm baby-faced and in this robe, I work with the young people here is true. Um, I'm one of our associate pastors. My name is Davis Johnson. I work with our youth, and I also do our congregational care ministry. So one of the things that I get to experience in my ministry here is the joy of getting to know and love and sometimes argue with teenagers, And one of the things that I love about teenagers is that they have not yet learned that they ought to or that they can mask their intentions. They cannot hide their emotions. No matter how hard they try, kids are going to tell you how they feel about something. You're going to know their preference. And just like Orpah in today's story, Kids often weigh how they will be affected by some new situation or an opportunity presented to them. They think about what you've offered for them to do. For some of you here today, you offered for your children to join you as you came to church today. And that was an opportunity that they did not want to take you up on. And so that usually brings up remarks and fights and some sort of a quarrel because they're not going to lie to you and they're going to think, I would much rather go my own way. 
I'm reminded of this aspect of childlike hearts and minds as I remember all the times I've been new somewhere, where whether it was a new church or new community, and I'm meeting the young people, and especially elementary age kids and middle school kids will try to guess my age. Luke McVeigh, who's a part of our youth ministry, played this game with me recently where they tried to guess how old I was. And the, as they start out about at the age where I could drive, they think I might be 17 or 18. And the numbers start to climb and they start laughing and snickering more and more as the numbers have to keep going up and up. And the kids, they just, all they're focused on is the two things that matter most in your youth. They want to be a part of the group and they want to enjoy themselves. So as they hear that I'm 27, they all just start laughing, not worried at all about how it hurts my heart that they're so shocked at this crazy truth about me. They, they laugh and they, they can't hide how they really feel. And that's often a huge gift in getting to work with them. Yes, the only thing that matters to kids is getting to be a part of the group and having a good time. Our childhood desires to be included and entertained They develop into our unique set of self-preservation habits. We have this sense that we want to belong and that we want to enjoy ourselves. And we do all that we can to preserve that aspect of ourselves. We want so badly to do all we can to be a part of what's going on. To be a part of the group. Because it feels safe. Just like Orpah. We can tell when something bad is at the end of a road that we've been invited down. And our self-preservation instincts start to creep up within us. We start to think of all the harm that might come to us, and we realize we'd rather not go down that path. We'd rather do something easier. Orpah probably loved Naomi, but she buried all of these years of love and time that she's spent with her family and she has to set it aside because it's what's easiest what will bring her the most truth and the easiest way for her to know that she'll be safe going forward she's burned her hand on too many proverbial stoves to want to weather this storm with her mother-in-law and while people aim to be patient and faithful we're usually driven in our lives more often than not by our selfish desires. And that's the problem with today's text, that there is absolutely nothing wrong with the way that Orpah responds to Naomi's request that she go her own way. In fact, we teach our children to do this very thing, to take care of themselves, to be safe. As human beings, We recognize our shared need to pursue self-preservation. We have to take care of ourselves. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you going your own way if the other option will guarantee you heartache, certain danger, frustration. Orpah knew 
that Naomi's people had every reason to hate her. Though Israel, a guidepost for us as members of God's church, this collection of God's people, Naomi's people, God's people, Israel has been called to divine purposes for as long as they've been gathered together. But they're no different than anyone else. After all, it is the Moabites in the story of Ruth, not the Israelites, who show us the heart and the character of God. They're faithful, loving, kind, self-sacrificial. And what do the Israelites do but talk poorly of those Moabites that are gleaning the fields? They have every reason, Orpah and Ruth, to expect that the Israelites would meet them with slander, violence. They'd be ostracized, spoken poorly of. They'd be disenfranchised without any sort of an opportunity to get their footing if they go with their mother-in-law back to be with God's people. Ruth is absolutely crazy to go with Naomi in this story. But thanks be to God that there are people in this world who stick around. That there are people who are faithful despite all that they've experienced, all that's been said about them, all the hurt that they've weathered in their own lives, despite the ways that people's fallen and sinful nature brings about heartache in this world. There are people that will face that and say, no, I, I, I recognize how this has affected me, but I have a higher calling to be faithful and constant in my community. There are people who love the way that God does. This requires us to make sacrifices for those that we know. And Ruth knew that she had to go with Naomi for both of their sakes. The book of Ruth is short. I invite you, if you have time, to just take the whole book together and read it. Because the predictions and the, the arc of that story is that Naomi knows that people will hurt her, that her life has been tragic, and that all she can expect is more heartache. And this is true, but the thing that transforms it is an amazing act of love and grace by Ruth and by Boaz, that as people take on these characteristics of God, as people make sacrifices, and as people go despite whatever self-preservation instincts rise up before them, they set all of that aside and they do the hard thing. They do the godly thing. Ruth loved Naomi enough to weather people speaking poorly about her. She had to glean fields and listen as Boaz's servants talked about how there wasn't enough and they needed to send some of these orphans and widows away. Though God called these very people to raise up a crop that people might have enough. She's pushed 
by God to be loving and generous as a way of being faithful with all she's been entrusted with in her life. She's constant. And it's something we all struggle to be in our own lives. To be faithful is to be unwavering. It's a constant posture of love and support. And Ruth makes a covenant with Naomi that so long as they live, they will be together. More than that, that their lives would be intertwined, that their heartache would be shared between them, that the things that they celebrate would gather them both together, that in all of the seasons of their lives, no matter what they faced, they would be there for one another. This is our call as God's people. This is what God is trying to get us to see in this story, that though people hurt one another, God's spirit of faithfulness comes up within us, calling us to live differently, to transform our communities, because people hurt one another. People want to give up on causes for hope, but God would never do that. And God's call is for us to be those people that when others have given up on themselves, when others are speaking poorly of us, when we have no reason to push forward, that's exactly where God has called us to make a new way, to bring hope, to be loving and constant, to embrace people faithfully. Ruth makes a covenant so that they both, she and Naomi, would know that whatever they face, they would not face those things alone. Her love for Naomi was not built on some pretense. It was not in some expectation that she would get something out of that relationship. The opposite, in fact, is true. And this loyalty is just built on a principle of love. It's not in spite of someone else. It's not to gain something. It is because God is calling Ruth to live in a new and holy way. In all the ways that people are reactive in today's world, God's people are called to live differently. May God show you the way of the Spirit as we continue to study and reflect on the fruit of the Spirit in this season in the life of our church. May you learn to respond rather than react to the trials of your life. The strength of Ruth is that her spirituality is that of intuition. There are many great contemplative minds, not only in this community, but in the body of clergy that we're all fortunate to be connected to that I will join this summer. And our previous pastor here, our previous senior pastor, Dale Klim, was a great contemplative. I stayed with him for one summer. And he was great at waking up at five and praying for an hour and walking in the woods and God would speak to him that way. That's great. I don't have that gift. But I don't think Ruth does either. God works differently in our lives, works particularly with us. And Ruth has a heart that I see in many around us. Ruth trusts God to be with her 
in her reflection on all that's going on around her. She doesn't have so pr- some prolonged moment of prayer. She doesn't hide away and have to talk to eight people before she's settled on the right next thing to do. No, Ruth has a simple intuition. She trusts that God is with her thoughts, that God is guiding her to do the faithful thing, that it may not be easy, but that God would be with her in her acts of faithfulness throughout her life. God guides us not towards the easy things, but towards the right things. Christ came to offer us abundant life. Not pie in the sky, smile and nod your way to some sweet heaven far away. These sweet dreams are not what Ruth is after. Jesus told stories about a time when all would be as God intends for things to be. The rich would have less, the poor would have enough. The nations would study war no more. There'd be no reason for the deceit to rise up among the people of the world. God's Spirit is calling us to live in that very way as we prepare for that future reign of Christ over all. Christ might reign in your life, allowing you to be faithful in a way that transforms the world around you. For there is sufficient love in our God for the ways people lash out against one another. However you have hurt others, and however others have hurt you, God is calling you to live with a renewed spirit of hope and trust and the goodwill for all of God's people. May you find that as you pursue a life of faithfulness, that God is teaching you more and more about God's own heart. That in cultivating your own gentleness, you might see more and more the way God loves you and cherishes you, that you are a beloved child of God. And may you discover how faithfulness binds us to one another in our communities of faith. That that same faithfulness shows us the heart of God and in striving for that sense of faithfulness in your own heart. May you experience abundant life in the present exactly what Christ came to offer all of us, not waiting for peace one day long off, but in the chaos and the struggles of the present, you might have life abundantly. May you find that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, is with you wherever you go and whoever you go with. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you have offered us the gift of your Holy Spirit that we might be bold enough to invite that Spirit to change our hearts and minds, offering not our strength, but instead a posture of openness, an openness that you might change our hearts, and you might guide our steps. God of new life, be with all of us. 
that we might be renewed by your spirit to be reconciled not only to one another, but to the world around us in such great need for your deep love. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.